Hello Church, I am Will Stone, and today we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 4, verses 40 through 44. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. Laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hello again, everyone. Thank you, my friend, for reading our passage tonight. If you haven't already, would you join us in Luke chapter 4, verses 40 to 44? And before we get too far into it, look back at Jesus's example. And I would love it if you would type into the comments something that grabbed your attention. What grabbed your attention? What inspired you, challenged you? What did you observe? What grabbed your attention in our passage this evening. While you're typing, let me remind you that we're going through our core practices of the Neighborhood Church. We call them practices because our faith was never just meant to be believed. It was meant to be lived. Our beliefs inform our practice, and one of our essential practices is to create space. Here's what I mean. We commit to make time for God and others for transformational relationships to grow. Notice that creating space is two-directional. We create space in prayer, stillness, silence, the spiritual disciplines. We put ourselves into a position. We create some elbow room in our life and our schedules so that we can be acted upon by God. That we can put ourselves in a position ready to receive and be transformed. That's one direction. The other direction is not just praying, it's playing. It's spending meaningful, good, quality time with others, especially others on your journey with God. In our church, it's so vital that we do this thing together, which is why 2021 needs to be a year that we facilitate more connection with one another, not less. But it's going to take our intention, our creativity, because this is a weird year, is it not? You see, every time we talk about creating space, not only are we going against the grain of a culture that values busyness, we're also entering into that countercultural rhythm when space doesn't just need to be found. The truth is, for many of us, whether we like it or not, too much space has already been imposed. Many of us have lost a good many of our jobs and relationships. That space, that time has been imposed upon us. It's a difficult, interesting year to talk about creating space. Now, 
I'm really interested in Jesus's example because he creates space, not in spite of busyness, but precisely within a very busy time. And for those of us who have had time imposed upon us, where we've had to adapt to new rhythms, Jesus didn't just create space to veg out. He created space to recharge for prayer. Also, we see how the space that Jesus creates propels him to go further in and deeper in to relationships with others. All of these little nuances is what I want to explore with you tonight in our fourth core practice. So instead of having different parts of the sermon, we're just going to look at Jesus's example. And I hope that within this message, within this time, you and I will be inspired anew to create space. Whether or not we have to make it or it's been imposed, it's how we use it. Because wouldn't you love to be more fully engaged with God and others? What would it look like to more deeply abide in the space that's been created or imposed? What would it look like to be more intentional and present to God and others this week, this month, this season, this year? So I hope you're with me in Luke chapter 4. I hope you've got something to write with, to process with. Type along in the comments those things that stand out to you. Let's dive into it. But first, let me tell you about a movie that I saw recently. It's called The Sound of Metal. By the way, this is rated R, and it's not exactly a family-friendly movie, but it is a powerful movie. It's available on Amazon Prime, and it stars Riz Ahmed as the character Ruben, who is a heavy metal drummer that loses his hearing dramatically and suddenly. I mean, even within the context of the first few minutes of the film, within a gig, he's playing drums, and it's dawning on him that his hearing is dissipating. So he's having to adjust to the sudden and near total deafness that is both unwelcome and it's been imposed upon him. And the remainder of the film is Ruben's journey of learning how to live more fully in this new reality, even if much of the time is spent kicking and screaming, as you can imagine it would be. I mean, Reuben is suddenly thrust into this world of deafness and he's wondering, okay, how can I play music? How can I earn a living? How can I communicate with others? How can I process the world around me? Will he be able to cope without self-destructing? This is the journey that we see in that film, Sound of Metal. And what happens is he creates that space even if much of it has been imposed on him, to navigate his new reality within a new community. It's not a spoiler alert, you can see it in the trailer, that Reuben winds up in a community of people at different ages and stages in their journey of deafness or hearing impaired. And it's remarkable to see him adjust not only to his newfound silence, but to adjust to this new community that has their own language, their own way of operating within their homes, their schools, their world. 
And you begin to see him gradually transform and wake up to this new environment, this new reality. But it's not without its challenges, of course. There is one part of the movie where he just couldn't stop moving. He had to work. He had spent so much time moving and so much time on the road that it was hard for him to slow down. Is it hard for you and I to slow down, even in the midst of a pandemic, even when we have less on our social calendar? Of course, there's something deeply ingrained within us as Americans that we've got to keep going, keep going, keep proving our worth. But part of Reuben's journey is to learn to just be again. And so a pivotal moment comes when Joe, the director of this program that Reuben finds himself in, asks him, do you like to wake up early? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I wake up early. And he goes, I'll tell you what, how's 5.30 a.m. sound? He says, 5.30 a.m., you'll find a pot of coffee and a room upstairs ready for you. This room has nothing but a chair, a small table, a notepad, and a pencil, and nothing but time. So he asks Reuben to go every morning, sit in that room, and write whatever he wants, however long he wants, or to not write, just to be, so that he might learn to more fully engage with this new reality, this new space that's been made and imposed upon him. So it's remarkable to watch those first few moments, how he's got to get his anxiety, his jitters. He's finally able to kind of process some of that pain. And by the way, this is still a spoiler-free zone, but it's magical to watch this process. Because with any practice, spiritual or otherwise, there's going to be some retraining, some relearning involved whether or not that space is made or imposed, welcome or unwelcome. And we see this played out in Reuben's life. Well, as with many other practices or New Year's resolutions or intentions, a lot of times we start with the best of them, but they lose steam. So Reuben makes some decisions. He starts spinning and moving again, and different things happen throughout the film that sends him in a different direction. But eventually he returns back to that kitchen table with Joe, the director of his program, the one who sent him upstairs every morning to sit and be still. And there's this pivotal and powerful conversation that happens. And Joe asks Reuben, all these mornings sitting in my study, have you had any moments of stillness? You see, there's a difference between creating space and actually creating space and being still, to be present. So Joe continues, you see, for me, those moments of stillness, that place is the kingdom of God. <sighs> Powerful stuff. I love that conversation. And by the way, that's only one step of Reuben's journey as the rest of the film goes on. But it got me wondering, when was the last time I experienced stillness? When was the last time you gave yourself to the moment 
and surrendered to stillness. This was a rather regular practice of Jesus as we're about to see because what the saints and mystics and disciples of Jesus have found all through the ages is what Mother Teresa said so famously, God is the friend of silence. And so often it takes us embracing silence and space, welcome or unwelcome, made, created, or imposed, to sit there so that God might get our attention. Creating space for silence, prayer, conversation with God and others may not transform us just magically because Reuben was there every morning, but it didn't mean that just silence and space on its own does the magic trick. Rather, it's the foundation, the space for our attention and intention. And it's absolutely essential in transforming our relationships with God and others. Space must be made in order for us to listen, behold, and engage to be acted upon, as I said earlier. So because our core practice is two-directional, we're going to return to that example of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 to see how he creates space for God and others so that we might be inspired to more fully abide in and embrace the stillness and transformational power that God has in store for us when we create space. So in Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus is able to pour out to others because he is regularly creating space to be filled up by God's presence and power. Some of you know that in the neighborhood church, we talk about the pitcher. The pitcher, even though I've got these crazy little bubbles in there, I don't know, maybe I should have cleaned it more, is an imperfect representation of God and all the fullness that he has and wants to give to us. This is ringing bells for you, I'm sure, right? This is an image, a metaphor by the late, great Chuck Miller, who helped establish this spiritual leadership program called The Journey that affected so many of us at the Neighborhood Church, what was Providence Community Church, and even our dear brother Ramon in and around the world in Central Asia. In fact, I was talking to Ramon this week about the picture and how he uses it still this week in Central Asia with spiritual formation groups to illustrate how all that God has for us, he wants to fill us with. And because I don't want to make a huge mess, you can imagine that he doesn't just fill us to the brim. What does he do? He continues to fill us up so that it might pour out and overflow into the lives and life of others. The pitcher, God's fullness, filling us, the cup who creates space to allow ourselves to be acted upon so that it doesn't just fill us to the brim, but we are blessed to be a blessing to others and it informs and infuses our relationships with others. The pitcher, the cup, the saucer, plate, bowl, whatever you want to talk about, it is still a powerful reminder for you and me and others the world over. And Jesus allows himself to be filled up so that he might go and pour out. And make, make no mistake, friends, Jesus pours it out. Will you journey with me in Luke chapter 4? If you have a Bible open, you can even scroll up to the beginning of Luke chapter 4 to see that it begins with Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And then where does he go? Out into the wilderness for 40 whole days. That's a lot of space. 
and he's tempted by another voice. But he's able to resist that temptation of the voice of the enemy because he's filled to the brim with God's voice that echoes saying, you're my beloved son. Then verse 14, you see Jesus return to Galilee. Luke says, in the power of the spirit, he's preaching, he's pouring it out. And then verse 31, he's in the synagogue preaching and teaching again. He gets interrupted by the enemy. So he kicks out those shadowy forces exercising a demon and then you see him going to a sabbath supper with peter's sick mother-in-law pouring out his healing power and when the sun sets the sabbath ends so the crowd comes running and they say i want some of that life of god poured out over me that's the run-up this busy season and a busy day and Jesus creates space not in the absence of work and relationships and pressure and to-dos and obligations. He creates space precisely within the midst of a full life and schedule. So that's why in verse 42, after a busy day in a busy season, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He created space. He was too busy not to pray and to be filled and recharged. And this was not a one-off experience. This is not just something Jesus did because, oh, it felt right. No, we see in Luke chapter 5, 16 that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And by the way, Luke 5.16 comes after how the news spread about him and more crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed and to have these demons kicked out so the reign of God might come more fully. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, which begs the question, if Jesus created space for God and others, why not us? How many times in your discipleship, the beginning of your life with Jesus, were you told not just to follow him, to love, to give, to serve, to be a witness? How often were you told to be still and create space for praying and playing and having meaningful quality time with God and others? And yet throughout Luke's gospel, we see him not only withdrawing to lonely places to recharge and pray with God, we see him continually at dinner tables. Because to embody the reign of God is not just to do so in our, quote, spiritual life, it's to do so in our everyday life with others. Because what other life do you have to live? What habits need tweaking so that my disengagement, my creating space for God and others, can be a time that recharges me, not drains me. How many of you have had this horrible experience where you plug in your phone at night and it's whittled down to that 10-12% range? And then you wake up the next morning and what do you find? Not a fully charged phone ready to rock. You find 1%, 2%, or as is the case with Amy's phone a lot. Sorry, Amy, I love you. It's dead. 
Why? Because you chase that cord back and you find that it wasn't actually plugged in because Adam started sleeping with a humidifier because this heater in my house is drying me out. But that's another story. You find <laughs> that it was not connected to the source. We talk in our church about disengagement as an essential practice, but there's a difference between healthy disengagement and unhealthy disengagement. And the challenge for you and I is to find those things that recharge us instead of depleting us. Sometimes it is so appropriate to just disengage, to watch something that fills you up and, and, and helps you, to take a walk, to take a bike ride. That's what we mean with create space. It's not just spiritual disciplines. It's whatever those things all taken together help you to abide more fully and deeply in your life with God and life with others. We want the space we create to be generative, creative, propelling you into the next season as you are filled to the overflow. To put it another way, this rhythm allowed Jesus to give himself fully to his work and relationships because Jesus remained fully connected to the source of his work and life. What is fully connected to the source look like for you? Imagine your life lived this week more connected to God and others, not less. How would that transform you and your people? What needs to change in your habits to be more fully connected to God and others? It's going to take our intentionality, our creativity, and then you say, wait a minute, I'm still looking at Luke chapter 4, and Jesus actually, when he comes back from that space of recharging, he actually doesn't give himself anymore to those people. Dude, he leaves. And I think that there's something instructive there as well. Jesus did pour out everything to those people, healing, teaching, preaching, and he still left. Why? Well, I have a theory. So go with me on this. Stay with me in Luke chapter 6 now. Luke chapter 6, 12, I'll put it up on the screen, looks like this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Okay, here's my theory. Another instance of Jesus disengaging to recharge Right after the Pharisees and teachers of the law were furious and began to plot against him. You see, Jesus creates that space then to connect with the source in an especially challenging season. So my theory is that this retreat, these kinds of retreats that Jesus does after experiencing a challenge or opposition or a full throttle assault from the crowd, sometimes we find that his retreat helps to renew his resolve to his true purpose. To keep the main thing the main thing. You see, creating space helps us recenter our identity and purpose. What does that have to do with Luke chapter 4, him leaving the crowd? Because sometimes you can create enough space to say, maybe the best way to more fully love those around me is to actually create a healthy amount of space so that I can go and do the next thing, the main thing. And I'll circle back around. 
Because when Jesus leaves, it's from the place that was really his home base of his ministry. So to create space often helps us recenter, realign. My theory as well is that this retreat helps de-escalate the stress of to-dos and obligations, or in Luke 6, the challenges. Sometimes creating space helps us heal. Now, in Luke chapter 6, that was right after he gets assaulted from the Pharisees, and it's also right before he comes back from that night of praying to God, and then he appoints 12 apostles. You see, Jesus creates space to connect with the source that leads him into a new phase of community and mission. My theory here is that this retreat also helped clarify his next steps. How much discernment and clarity is waiting for you if you would just create enough space to get your thoughts right? So in Luke chapter 4, you're right, he does leave. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them. It doesn't mean he wasn't connected to them. It just meant that Jesus was able to get enough space, enough clarity to discern, to heal, to recenter, and to remind us and others that in this point in Jesus' ministry, he was not just a walking emergency room. Jesus, as the early church father Origen says, was the kingdom of God in person. But that doesn't mean that he was always a walking emergency room. Did Jesus heal? Of course. Did Jesus kick out the dark forces? Of course. Did Jesus preach and do all those things? Yes, 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 yes. But he was so intentional in how he went about his father's business. I think to be more fully engaged and our relationships with God and others, to move with compassion and intention. Sometimes it's going to take some discernment for the next steps and how we do that in a way that honors God and others. Sometimes it's going to cause you and call you to go actually deeper in and further out. And then sometimes it's to say, I love you and I love this, but maybe it's time to go over here and to be intentional in this next phase. That's what we see Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 6. And don't we want to live with more compassion and more intention in our lives? I want to talk less and listen more. How about you? I wish that I was more present to my kids, not just distracted on my phone or other tasks. I want to give more of myself to my friends, my family, my work, my life. And sometimes in order to give more, I've got to make time to do less. And it helps put those pieces back into place. What if, as John Bronco reminded us in our neighborhood group this week, what if quality time was the result of quantity time? He paraphrased that from another preacher, teacher, pastor. What if quality time with God and others comes from quantity time nurtured with intention and presence? In order to be a better listener, maybe I need to be intentional in my listening. In order to be more present, maybe I need to be more intentional in quantity as to how engaged I am and attentive I am.
You know, why is it that we practice yoga, we practice sports, we practice uh, music, we practice a new skill, a language, and we say, practice, 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 practice. We need to retrain ourselves just like Reuben needed to in that still, quiet place. And yet in our life with God, we don't want to give ourselves to these practices. But it's this time, this practice that propels Jesus and his followers into these transformational relationships. If you want to listen more and be more present, start by remaining connected to the source. Another TNC mantra we say a lot is, a step toward God always leads to a step toward others. The more time you create space to be with God, the more you're going to find yourself praying for, thinking of, and reaching out to others. It's two-directional. So that's what we mean when we say create space. That's how Jesus models it. This is how you're invited to live it. But let's not just talk about it. I want to do it. Right now, I want us to spend two minutes, 120 seconds, right? Is my math right on that? I want us to set aside your, whatever you're writing on. I want you to close whatever whatever other tab you're on. And by the way, this is super hard and difficult because you're either watching this right now on your computer or you're listening to it on a podcast, you have all the distractions and you even have a pause and fast forward button. (laughs) But I want to invite you not to grade you or make sure you're doing it. I want to invite you willfully to choose to give yourself two minutes to be still and know, to take a deep breath, like Jesus, not in the absence of distraction, but precisely in the midst of it, your phone, your computer, whatever is within arm's reach. And anytime we create space, it's not a question of if we'll be distracted, it's a question of when the distractions come. So even for this next two minutes, I offer you this image. For me, it's this image at our honeymoon when Amy and I went to Vail, Colorado, and we found a cool, grassy area to lay down. We were reading and just chilling, creating space. And there was a stream that ran and bubbled past us. So whenever I try to sit with Jesus to create space for two minutes or two hours, I try, I try to greater degrees of success to imagine I'm at that place. And when the distractions come, I send it down the stream. When that to-do list creeps up, I make note and I send it on down. When that worry or anxiety bubbles up about this or that or the other, I name it and move it down. Sometimes you might have to sit with it. Sometimes that's the Spirit inviting you to deal with it. Most of the time, you just got to send it down. So let's take a breath right now and let's give two minutes space together, starting now.
Now take another deep breath and return back together. And maybe you can type in the comments what that was like. Maybe you say, yeah, I was distracted. Yeah, that was a little awkward. <laughs> it's okay. Name it. Become aware of it. But more than anything, now go create it. What do you need to do this week to create five minutes in the middle of your day? 30 minutes at the beginning of your day? And maybe it's not all silent, but what is a day you need to create? You know, one of the things that we have on our calendar, we already paid for a deposit last year that got bumped. We want to host a Create Space Day for you to come out to an outdoor space, to come together, to talk about our intentions, our hopes, then to surrender them, go create a few hours of space, and then to come back and debrief together. Maybe that's a day for you that you want to engage in. How about for others? How do you want to engage with others more fully to become more present to a neighborhood group on the journey together? What is it going to look like? Maybe it's two minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes. Maybe it's once a day, once a week. But this is our core practice. This is the example of Jesus. This is what Joe and Reuben in that movie had to learn. How would stillness and space transform your relationships with God and others as you go in peace to create space and sit within it. Amen. Tonight's benediction is by Aubrey Smith. May God bless us with faith in his abundance and in his ability to multiply our resources with his creative power. May we offer up to God our time, space, and energy with confidence and trusting our lives to be used by him to bless others. May we stand firm against the self-importance and pride that being busy provides, and may we resist the lie of scarcity that causes us to withhold time, love, and ourselves from God and our neighbor. May we grow in the quiet and unseen places with God, allowing his spirit to transform us in his presence. May the Lord Jesus enable us to show his generous hospitality to others at our tables, in our homes, and in our hearts. Go in peace.